The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. This is Catholicism, free of charge to our listeners by the generous sponsorship of Australian Catholic Mission, who hope that listeners will spare a prayer or two for vocations and the growth of the one true church in Australia. And now we present This is Catholicism. Welcome to This is Catholicism on the Restoration Radio Network. I'm your host, Father Herman Fleece, and I am joined today by Father Desposito, Professor at Most Holy Trinity Seminary in Brooksville, Florida. Thank you for joining us, Father. Hello, glad to be back. Today, as usual, we are going to follow the book uh, A Complete Catechism of the Catholic Religion by Father Joseph de Harbe, S.J. Today we will cover two points, first on the angels and then on the on man and his fall. So uh, we will start on page uh, 98. Uh, the question uh, 59, has God created nothing else but the visible world? Well, the answer is uh, no. He has also created the invisible world. So the uh, the spirits, so what we call the, the angels. So that's the, and we have in the, in the book, the many orders or choirs of angels, which we name in the preface of the mass. Um, and yes, that we don't see the the spirits of the angels, but they do exist, and the, the this is what we are going to talk about today. Good. In what state is the next question? In what what state were the angels when God had created them? Well, the state was uh, similar to that of Adam and Eve in the sense that they were created in um, happy and and good uh, with the supernatural gifts, and as, um, as we're going to see the next question, they, uh, they had to pass a test the same way that, or a similar way that Adam had to, and, um, and we know that not all of them passed the test. The question 61 then is, did the angels all remain good and happy? And as there is no, as we know, the, many of them didn't, want to continue obeying God, and they rebelled against God. Uh, something to always remember that rebellion and the spirit of revolution, things like that, when, when you are against authority, that comes from the devil. That's the first sin, actually. And when they did that, since they were perfect um, spiritual substances, they didn't get a second chance. So notice that uh, human beings got a second chance after after the sin of Adam, but angels, they were created so perfect, they really, uh, that their wills were confirmed in evil once they committed the first sin. So they went straight to, to hell for, for all eternity. How has God rewarded the angels that remained faithful? Well, they went to heaven, so with the eternal happiness in heaven, which consists in and seeing God face to face and possessing God perfectly. So those, the, the bad angels, the evil angels went to hell. The good angels uh, are enjoying God for all eternity. And uh, so in Matthew, which is quoted in the, in the Catechism, uh, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Next question is, uh, how are the good angels affected towards us? Well, the, they, are, uh, they love us, as the Catechism says. They protect us. They are there in order to help us fulfill our 
uh, spiritual duties and to reach our goal. So this remember also the, the, the mystical body and the, the communion of the saints, the communion of the saints that uh, we all also remember that our lady, the queen of angels, the angels are, uh, even though by nature they are more perfect than man, our lady by grace is the most perfect creature. That's why she's the queen of angels. And angels, after the incarnation, uh, especially, they have this um, uh, relationship to the, of, of protecting us and helping us to uh, do good and to avoid sin. Uh, I say especially after the incarnation, because even though always they the were the good angels, and you remember the examples of the Old Testament, uh, here in the Catechism, are, some of the examples are given. Uh, the Probably the one that comes to mind is the Tobias. Uh, the um, after the incarnation and, and all the the economy of, of salvation, we, there have like a special tasks to perform the angels, and uh, the help the the baptized the the help Catholics to arrive uh, at the goal of which is heaven, and we have to remember that and to be reminded of of that fact that the the reality of the angels, especially of what comes in the in this in the next question the guardian angels good so yes next question uh, uh, says how do we call those angels who are particularly given to man for his protection and uh, far you already answered that the guardian angels and next question what is our duty towards our guardian angel angels well since they they are um it's a like the word guardian angel says, is they are they are like a like a bodyguard, but for our souls, and we have to first of all remember the, their presence, venerate them as it says here, and have a devotion to them, pray uh, to them, and ask uh, them for help. Also to be thankful. So many times we receive their the protection, their their uh, <clears throat> blessings, and they pray for us, they intercede for uh, for us constantly. And we tend to be to forget or to, to forget them and to be un, um, un, uh, I would say ungrateful with regard to them. So we have to uh, to thank them, to ask for for graces, and also when they inspire us good thoughts or good uh, works, we have to follow that, that those inspirations. So the, their admonitions, as the Catechism says, and be attentive and continually in the presence of God. Remembering that the guardian angel is always there, there are m many saints received um, the grace, the extraordinary grace, like a miracle, <clears throat> to be able to see their guardian angels and to have conversations with them. And uh, that also uh, it's good to know that and, and read about that because uh, you that's helps us understand the reality <clears throat> of it and that they are always there present helping us. And if we know that and um, remind ourselves of that, I, will, I think the, to, that helps us keep us the presence of God, recollection during the day, the spirit of prayer, even in the middle <clears throat> of our obligation of, of the temporal order. Good. Uh, now, uh, question 66. How are the fallen or wicked angels affected towards us? Well, the opposite is true. The, the wicked angels, they have, um, like their mission is to to try to bring all of us to, to hell. Uh, and they, they really hate human beings. Uh, the, this envy, all of those things uh, against uh, charity. And, and they, they try to persuade us to commit sin all the time. So sometimes... We are doing something which is either good or indifferent, and, and, and like a thought comes to our mind, and, and the, the spiritual authors say that if that thought came out of nowhere, especially for example an impure temptation, that's a sign that uh, that's the devil <clears throat> put it in that image in our imagination. So um, that's one example. But they are all the time trying to get the the best of us uh, or the worst of us to in order to commit uh, that we commit sin so they know our uh, inclinations they observe us they tempt us and uh, the so the <clears throat> we have to remember that 
the spiritual beings, which are very powerful, they, if God permits, they can really do a lot of damage and, and put ourselves in, in trouble with regard to our eternal salvation. That should encourage us to pray more to our guardian angel and to um, trust in God more and have confidence in God and, and not uh, trust in ourselves, in our own powers that we don't have uh, anything except if God helps us. Why does God permit the wicked angels to lay snares for us? Well, as the general principle is, all evils are permitted if a greater good is um, is going to uh, to happen. And here, the greater good, why God permits the the evil of the temptation of the of the these angels, is either for the manifestation of God's mercy or the manifestation of God's God's justice. So, if we fall into their snares. Um, and we end up in hell. The um, the God's justice is manifested; His perfect justice. If we do not consent to their temptations, of course, and we go to God and pray for the grace to not not to be overcome by the temptations and by the sinners of the devil, there is a lot of merit there, and we honor God since we go to Him in humility uh, and. Um, basically, we we recognize the, the power of God. We ask for that power in order to conquer uh, these uh, these evil spirits. So that the whole the general principle is all of those things, evil things that are permitted, are for a reason, for a good reason. So it's for our greater good, for the greater good of our souls. So we should again not get discouraged if we are attacked by these demons but on the, the on the contrary we should pray more and mortify ourselves more so sometimes in the life of the of the saints uh these demons appeared in a bodily form so they um there are spiritual substances but they managed to appear in a, in a manner like a in a physical material way um and they have a lot of control over nature. And the saints, instead of, again, getting discouraged, like St. John Bosco, he bo- used to box, the, box them and, and practice his boxing and uh, fight them. So we are not required to do that, uh, thankfully. But the uh, I would say on the spiritual order, and uh, if you read the life of the saints, the holier you are or the holier you try to be, the more attacks you're going to suffer. Again, why God permits that for our for our own good. So now we live in in the in faith. That is, we do not see uh, the object of um, uh, the, the the truth that, that we believe in, and it's more difficult to to fight. I would say um, in the, um, just by the knowledge of our faith. But that's the whole point of not seeing God and the angels and uh, the the whole the supernatural things because. It is a test. So if we pass the test and if we increase our faith, if we ask for the the um, the graces that we need, uh, all of that is going to be for the greater glory of God and for the sanctification and salvation of our souls. So that we should take that into consideration when we are tempted, even with strong temptations. The next question is a practical one. What must we do in a, in, on our part in order that the snares of the wicked angels may serve to our salvation? Well, again, the, what I said uh, uh, about faith is just to be strong in our faith and fight constantly and have both confidence in God and to distrust ourselves. Many times out of pride, self-love, we think that we have the strength to overcome the the enemies of our, of uh, of our souls and and that's not true. We have to constantly ask for the uh, the blessings and graces that we need. Pray to our Lady, to the angels, to God, uh, so that we receive the the this protection. Um, and we have many practical means, as, as is here the, the the use of holy water, prayers with indulgences. Um, the reception of the sacraments, of course, Saint Teresa of Avila, for example, used to have with herself all the time uh, a little container with holy water to, in order to fight uh, the, the devil and also to to be able to uh, make reparation for all of the, the venial sins that, that we commit so so often. 
So, and the um, Saint, uh, Saint Peter is clear when he says that the, the devil is always ready like a lion uh, trying to devour us. And we have to, um, to prepare ourselves. It's like a soldier that has to prepare himself and do certain exercises and know how to use the different weapons that he has. In the spiritual order, is um, very similar. We have to arm ourselves with all of the supernatural means that we that we can come, uh, that we can that we can get, and be ready for for the fight. Good. Um, there is uh, now the the next point: uh, man and his fall. Uh, the first question is: How did God make the first man, Adam? Well, if we believe the revelation, God formed a body of the slime of the earth. So today you uh, you read about evolution and all the, that those myths um, and stories. But the, the truth is that man, that sorry, that God has the power to create uh, man uh, in the, the manner that he wants. And, and also once he creates man, um, uh, if he reveals to to man how he did that and in revelation we read that god formed a man from the slime of the earth uh, we should believe that that's the that's genesis that's sacred scripture so uh, here is uh, the exact opposite of what modern science teaches that evolution and that there was a monkey that uh, was has a common ancestor with men and they all the time they, they try to prove that of course there's no evidence for that but uh, there are other many philosophical problems and contradictions um, with evolution. But the, the main, here in the, the catechism, uh, so the, the answer is clear. The, Adam was created from the slime of the earth. And, and it says, so they breathed, um, breathed an immortal soul into it, and uh, the first man was made. And again, always when you think about God uh, and creation, remember that he's all-powerful, so he can create the world in the manner that he pleases, and he, and he wanted to, to do that, uh, and there are many mystical, mystical reasons why, uh, as in Ash Wednesday, that it says, uh, memento homo, so remember, man, that thou art uh, dust, and you shall return to dust, and that's the, the, the whole... The whole idea is that uh, from that we were created, we return to that, but we have an immortal soul, and we have to make sure that we uh, that we save our immortal souls. And after the the resurrection of the bodies, it can our bodies too can enjoy uh, heaven. So the so again, just that's the answer. Adam was created from the slime of the earth. Question 70 is, how did God distinguish man at his creation from all other creatures? So Genesis says that God created man um, to his own image and likeness. Here we're talking about just the, the image, which uh, basically means uh, that, that uh, has, man has a rational a nature, has an intellect and a will. And that's the and God is a, is a, is perfect intellection. So not only man has being as uh, other creatures have, but also he has an um, he's an intellectual creature. So that's that's why he was created at the, uh, an image of God. And creatures resemble God in many many ways. So even a, a cat or a dog will be created uh, uh, in a as a, as a, a sim, uh, as a, a representation of the profession of God, but man represents God uh, uh, in a very special manner because imitates those things which are more perfect in God. So the in that way that we are an image of God because we have a, an immortal soul and we have a, an intellect and a will. Good. Uh, question seventy-two. Uh, in what do the natural gifts consist? Because the author <coughs> spoke about uh, natural and supernatural gifts. So, in what do the natural gifts consist? Well, the the natural gifts the, that we have again a, a soul and a body, 
and uh, the soul is immortal, which means that it cannot die. It's a spiritual substance which uh, can exist without the body. So when we die, death is the separation of body and soul. Uh, it's not the annihilation of, this, of the soul. So the, the body goes to the ground, uh, but the soul remains. That's the 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 that that's a natural a natural gift that, by the way, animals do not have. So we have an intellect, uh, we have a will, uh, and we have free will. That is, we are the masters of our own actions, and we are able to merit. So another thing that animals cannot do, and also animals act after out of necessity. They do not have free will. Good. So now we go to the next question, which is naturally, in what do the supernatural gifts consist? <clears throat> All of the supernatural gifts that man received from the beginning uh, were based on the the elevation of man to the supernatural order, which is done by sanctifying grace. And uh, there is something to um, <clears throat> to remember that man never existed in the pure natural state so we can consider in the in the abstract man as purely natural or man uh, in the integral state that is elevated to the supernatural order as adam was before the sin uh, and uh, with sanctifying grace and man in his fallen nature which is adam after the sin and all of humanity after the sin so those three states but the first state that is of pure nature uh, never happened historically. So God could create a man without this uh, elevation to the sub supernatural order. That's not impossible. And uh, but uh, God didn't do that. So in the practical, in, in the actual order of of things, so God, uh, man was created with grace. So Adam. In the first moment of his existence, he was already elevated to the supernatural order. He had sanctifying grace. And because of that, he received other gifts. For example, immortality. That is, that uh, he was not going to die. Remember that death is a natural thing because the body and the soul, are go, um, they tend to separate by nature. So the, the immortality was a, what is called a preternatural gift, which means that uh, is uh, is not natural, but also at the same time, it's like um, you can you can consider this immortality as the absence of this natural effect of dying. So it's like uh, imagine that somebody creates like medicine creates like a pill or some medicine that that will make you live forever basically and that keep your body going. Uh, that that will be something uh, which is not natural because we should die. So Adam and Eve received this, this kind of gift because they were elevated to the supernatural order, so they were immortal. And also, another thing was that their senses were in complete submission, uh, their, their sensitive nature to reason. So something that is difficult for us to understand, we are, after the fall, the the original sin, uh, the senses and the sensitive part of man is all the time like re rebels against reason. But Adam and Eve didn't have that. The the uh, their senses were absolutely subject to reason. And the point number three is that Adam was never to be subjected to the hardships and sufferings, uh, and nor to death. So the again the first gift is grace, and from there you have this immortality and the sub the perfect subjection of the senses to reason. Why are the latter called supernatural gifts? Um, so the I believe the latter is means those which are called the preternatural gifts. It's a little unclear here in the book, but the they, they are called supernatural because they do not belong to our nature. That is, the, but nature itself shouldn't have those qualities. But God adds those qualities, like immortality, in the case of Adam and Eve, uh, to 
two two uh, two men, and they are extraordinary. They are free gifts gifts uh, of God. So you can you can consider yes, grace also of course grace is uh, supernatural, but also those what we call the preternatural gifts are supernatural in the sense that they, they do not come from nature, but they are given by God uh, in His free uh, out of His free will. That's clear. And now uh, we move to 75. Did our first parents receive this divine gi free gift for themselves alone? When God, uh, no, the, when God gave uh, this elevation to Adam or made Adam uh, elevated, created him elevated to a supernatural order, they, Adam and Eve, were supposed to be well, they were created as the heads of mankind. So those gifts, both sanctifying grace and all of the other gifts like immortality and and uh, etc., they were supposed to be given to their descendants. So basically all of their children were supposed to be born with sanctifying grace and all of the other gifts. So that was, you, you may say, the, the plan. So the... Uh, um, that since they were the first humans created, they were supposed to give this gift that they received to all of their children um, uh, by generation. So the that's the the key to understand original sin. Original sin is a privation of those gifts that Adam and Eve were supposed to give us, and since they lost those gifts, especially sanctifying grace. And all of the other gifts that came with that, the, the preternatural gifts as, as well, we are born with the privation of that. So we are elevated to the supernatural order, but we do not have, when we are born, that grace. And there, that's called fallen nature. But, and now he speaks about a condition. On what condition did they receive these supernatural gifts for themselves and their descendants? Well, this is uh, also something to apply in the uh, people tend to think that God, in his mercy, he always gives things and never puts conditions. No, God expects something from us and he puts conditions in order that we either receive something good or that we preserve something that he has given us. That was true of Adam and Eve. They received this elevation. They They received sanctifying grace, but there was a condition that they should remain faithful, as the Catechism says, and obedient to God. So, again, they, this, they, they were going to preserve this uh, grace and other gifts for themselves and for their descendants on the condition that they uh, be obedient to the law of God, to the all the commandments of God. And one of the commandments was not to eat from a particular tree. Question 77 um, is uh, obvious. It says, did our first parents observe this condition? We know that that was not the case. They fell into sin. 78, what was the sin of Adam? Well, the sin of Adam was the, the sin of pride. So it was disobedience. Um, the Because, again, there was a commandment. Uh, thou shall not eat from this fruit, this particular tree. Uh, and that was very clear. And remember, the Adam's intellect was very strong, was not subject to ignorance, and Adam's will was not weak. So he understood, there was a commandment here, and he understood that not to fulfill this commandment was a sin that was against God and God's law. And nevertheless, he was uh, tempted by Eve, and Eve was tempted by the devil. They fell into the temptation. They disobeyed. It was a sin of pride, and they lost that grace, which is basically uh, this friendship of God, this elevation to the supernatural order. Question 79 is, was this transgression a grievous sin? Yes, for all of the reasons I just gave, it was a grave a uh, very grievous sin um, because of that knowledge they had the because of the um, 
the the will, their will, the, the voluntarium, which is called that this they willingly decided to disobey God. They believe the devil. So the devil comes here in the form of a serpent and says, Oh, don't don't worry. Uh God is not going to punish you. Uh, just eat from this. God knows that if you, if you eat from this fruit, you will you will know good and evil and this and that. So all of the he, the devil made all of these promises, and again the Adam and Eve were not stupid. They were not uh, weak. They were very smart, and they had the they knew what they were supposed to do. But out of pride, they. Um, they chose to believe in this serpent that was talking to them, and they uh, fell into this sin. So it's very grave, very grave disobedience. And the um, and you can see how grave it was that they lost, not only for themselves, but from all of us, this uh, elevation to the supernatural order. And this links to the next question. What punishment came upon Adam and Eve? So the punishment was that they lost the not the elevation. So as I said, before, the, the elevation was still there, but the uh, the possibility of or better the, the the this sanctifying grace was make it possible for them to belong to the supernatural order. So they lost sanctifying grace. They lost the preternatural gifts. So from now on, everybody dies. Everybody suffers. Uh, and their faculties, their wills, and their the, their intellects now are weak. The intellect is subject to ignorance. The will is subject to uh, a, a complete weakness and and um, an inclination to evil. So that's why when we are tempted, um, many times we have not only the temptation but the inclination to do evil. So something that didn't exist before the sin. So they lost that. They lost paradise. They lost heaven. And um, uh, I mean, they lost heaven, which was uh, was after paradise, but also the earthly paradise. So they lived in a place which was, as the word says, paradise was very, very nice and beautiful with all kinds of uh, of, of, of natural uh, natural good things um, and trees and things like that. Uh, they lost that; they were expelled from that place, that actual place. And also, they, uh, it says here, they became liable to eternal damnation. That is, they lost uh, heaven. And without the, what comes next, that is, with the promise that God give, gives to them, that he was going to send someone to repair that sin, without that, they were, uh, basically, they, there was no way that they could have redeem themselves because the sin was grave and you need uh, an infinite expiation in order to 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 get rid of that the, of that eternal consequence of a grave sin so but god is so merciful that he doesn't wait uh he just promises even at, right there after the fall he promises a savior he promises our lord jesus christ Question 81. Did our first parents lose these supernatural gifts for themselves only? No, they, they lost it for themselves and for us. So by their obedience, they were supposed to have preserved grace and all of the other gifts for themselves and for, for us. But by the, the, the original sin, the first sin, they lost that for, for themselves and for everyone that is born uh from uh, after that so the um that's why i said that original sin is a, a neg like a negative thing that is a uh, we are born with the privation of grace so uh this when you say the word privation is important so as i said before god could have created a pure nature some like a human being which is not elevated to the supernatural order so in that case um, not to have sanctifying grace would not, would not be something bad for that for that uh, I would say hypothetical uh, person. But since we have been elevated to the supernatural order and we are born without grace, 
this is something bad for us, evil for us. So uh, that's that's the the privation. The word privation here is important. We should have grace, and we do not have grace when we are born. That's why the child, which is uh, who is not baptized, cannot enter heaven because he has this elevation or this vocation to the to heaven, to the supernatural order. But only baptism can um, can give the um, can give grace to a person who has not uh, who has not um, reached the use of reason. So a person who reaches the use of reason can be saved without the baptism of water. But a person who has not reached the use of reason cannot be saved without the baptism of water. So where do they go, those children that are um, who die without baptism, they go to limbo, which is a place which is basically the same thing as hell without the pain of hell. So what is common with hell is that they do not see God. They enjoy certain natural happiness, and but they, they do not see God face to face, and that's heaven. So limbo is, uh, is the privation of that uh, of that supernatural happiness. Again, they do not suffer physical pain because they never committed an actual sin, but they are subject to the consequences of original sin. That is, they cannot go to heaven. Good. Then question 82 um, says, in what does the, mis- the misery consist into which our first parents have plunged the whole human race? Well, that misery can be experienced every day. I mean, all of the that we see um, suffering, um, that when we labor, it, it is difficult now. Uh, labor becomes difficult. It didn't. It wasn't that way before the sin. Um, uh, all the consequences of sin, the, the the evils in the world, and even poverty and ignorance. Um, all of those things that are bad uh, came from sin. Even now things which are natural in themselves, like death, they became a punishment of sin. So the um, um, basically the whole, the, the word fallen nature has this, this notion that we are like a wounded, wounded humanity, a humanity that was created for heaven, and lost sanctifying grace, not being able anymore to reach that goal. And um, so even this is also uh, something to to know that even after uh, our Lord being incarnate and and saving uh, humanity of the sin and restoring order and giving us the, the possibility of entering heaven again by baptism, even then we do not have the facility to practice virtue. Yes, we have the grace and the help, but still we are inclined to evil. We have this from sin. So this comes from sin, this inclination to evil, this weakness of our nature because we are wounded. So that that that's the the misery and all the evils that exist in the world. They they come from from because of sin. Um, so and there are a couple of quotations from sacred scripture here by one man sin entered into this world and by sin death and so death passed upon all men in whom all have sinned and many times you see people complaining why god permits this or wars and sicknesses and cancer and things like that and they they tend to like accuse god um in fact all of those things exist because of sin God just permits them because of a greater good, but those we should um, point at our own sins when we see evil in the world. Question 83. What do we call this sin in which we are all born? We already mentioned it's called original sin because um, it was the first sin, and also uh, we are, even though we are born with in sin, uh, we have not committed that sin. So it's not an actual sin on our part. It was only an actual sin 
on uh, Adam and Eve. Um, but at the same time, we get that original sin or privation of grace when we are born. So this is uh, an inherited sin uh, that comes from our fir first parents. And the reason why we get that is because, again, they were supposed, as being the heads of humanity, they were supposed to give grace to all of us. And instead, they gave the privation of grace, and we call that original sin. Next question is, is original sin, though not actually committed by us, nevertheless truly sin? Absolutely, it's truly sin. Uh, and it's, the, as it says, Council of Trent, the, the death of the soul. And uh, it makes impossible for, for us to go to enter heaven. That's why I said, if you're not baptized and you die without baptism, before reaching the use of reason, there is no way, it's impossible to go to heaven. That is linked to uh, the next question, which is, what fatal consequences have with original sin passed to all men? Well, the, uh, we'll enumerate and explain. This is their disgrace with God, and at the same time, their loss of the sonship of God and of the right on, of inheriting the kingdom of heaven. So that's the first, really, the word fatal here is, is key, uh, fatal for the spiritual order, that we are not able to be the children of God anymore because of sin. Ignorance, concupiscence, and proneness to evil, that inclination to evil uh, is in all of us. Uh, by the way, with the one exception of Our Lady, of course, she was preserved from original sin and all sin. Um, the uh, number three, all sorts of hardships, pains, calamities, and uh, and at last death. So all of those things that are common to all men, except uh, with the exception of Our Lady, that she was preserved because she was the she is the mother of God. Question eighty six um, asks: Did the fatal consequence of sin fall upon man only? Uh, no, it, it, you can see the consequence of sin even on, on the earth, even on other creatures. Uh, and the reason is because the whole universe was created for the sake of man and to help man um, attain his, uh, his end. So when man sinned, uh, in a way, everything else, like the whole universe, became like infected, you, can, you may say. And now, for example, there is a natural thing, as I said before, death is natural, but became a banishment. Uh, and if you have like a big storm, like a tsunami, which are natural things, it becomes, um, and it has the, 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 the ratio of a punishment. All of those things have the ratio of a punishment for our sins. So it's like this, this course all, all, all over the earth because of sin. Father, um, what would be the scriptural basis for this um, for this point? What's given here in the book, uh, Cursed is the earth. In thy work, said God to Adam, with labor and toil shalt thou eat thereof all the days of thy life. Thorns and uh, thistles shall it bring forth to thee. So again, notice that things which are or used to be before the sin, good, <clears throat> like labor. I mean, we think about labor and, oh, I have to go to work, oh, I have to do this, or even when you play sports, I mean, which is supposed to be a recreation, is uh, is, uh, is an exercise and, and is hard. So that kind of like the physical, um, uh, when you become tired or things like that, all of that came because of sin. Before that, you were able to, um, to run, to work, to play, to do all kinds of things. Um, and you didn't get, Adam and Eve didn't get tired at all. Thus, again, that all of the consequences, sickness, ignorance, um, inclinations to evil, weakness, comes from sin. So, so something that we have to, to remember, that that was not supposed to happen, but sin brought forth, all of the, uh, these evils, even physical evils, and even things which are happen naturally, they have the ratio of punishment now, even like a storm or like a, uh, things like that, that became 
became um, the earth be became cursed, and uh, all of those things have the rights of punishment. What would have become of man if God had not shown him mercy? So basically, he would have remained in his sin, not able to go to heaven. So no one, says here, could have received grace and been saved. Because salvation comes from God. And when you lose that possibility, like Adam and Eve did, they, they lose the grace, which is what uh, makes you a friend of God. Without, I mean, it's just if God abandons you in that state, there's no possible for man to um, basically to to go to heaven to be happy. So he will be condemned to to hell forever. And um, question eighty-eight um, is uh, as the reason for this: Why could no one have any more received the grace? And, and the reason is because. God is just. So if you commit a sin, injustice, you have to make satisfaction. You have to make reparation. The thing is here, there is a, uh, the, the original sin was a mortal sin. There is a grave sin. There is no possible satisfaction that man can do. So again, as the, the whole point here we are going, uh, the, the catechism is trying to explain, is that once man committed a sin, only God uh, was able to repair that. Man, by his own powers, impossible, absolutely impossible. Uh, and the injustice, God could have just condemned man to hell without any second chance, like he did with the angels. So we have to uh, be thankful um, to God that he gave us this second chance um, and not only that, but he sent his own son in order to uh, redeem us. And that is uh, of what we are going to talk in this uh, next question, 89. How did God show mercy to man? And immediately after the fall, he promised a savior. And he promised a savior and he promised our lady too. He promised a savior and the the mother of the savior in order to crush the serpent, in order to crush the enemy of uh, of God and the enemy of mankind. So again, the, God was not obliged to do this. This is very important because we tend to think of, uh, especially people when they see uh, uh, suffering and wars and uh, natural disasters, they complain about God. And no, no God, um, he's not obliged to give. I mean, basically, to make us happy. He created us for happiness, and we lost that by original sin. After that, it's all mercy. It's uh, the reparation of sin is mercy. The incarnation is mercy to give uh, the, the Catholic Church um, the, uh, the, the, the doctrine and the, the, the commandments. All of that is mercy. Again, it's a, sec a big second chance that we have, and we have to take that and use all of those uh, blessings and graces in order to be saved. But complain, we have no reason to complain, uh, nothing to complain about. We have received all kinds of goods, naturally, supernaturally, and we always take that those goods and misuse them. We receive uh, freedom in order to merit. We use it for commits, to commit sins. And that happens all the time. So, and after we complain about it. So God is uh, so merciful, infinitely merciful, that he gives us second, third, fourth chances. And the only thing we do is just to repeat our sins and complain about it. So don't complain if you suffer. That's because of sin. And, uh, and after, even God is showing mercy. If he makes you suffer here on earth, it means that perhaps he's going to show mercy and uh, you are going to go to heaven. So suffering on this earth, if it is taken well, is a sign that you that God has reserved something good for the next life. <clears throat> Question 90. If without the grace of the Redeemer, no one can be saved, how then could those who lived before the coming of Christ go to heaven? So, uh, I will read a little explanation here and explain later on. Those who lived before the coming of the Redeemer of the world could not, indeed, enter heaven before him. 
but with the grace which God gave them on account of the Redeemer to come, they could merit the kingdom of heaven and then enter into it with him. Remember when we see the, the um, we recite the decree that descended into hell, that's actually not the hell of them. This is the limbo of the just, where all of the just men, people of the Old Testament were waiting for that Savior, and they were released from uh, from limbo, and they could enter heaven. Before that, they could not enter heaven, even though they could merit, uh, because the um, uh, before the before the death of our Lord in Calvary, heaven was absolutely closed. There was no reparation made. The reparation came uh, with the with Calvary, with the death of uh, of Christ. And after he went there in this uh, place, which is called the limbo of the just, and he took the just people from the Old Testament, and uh, they all went to heaven. Again, they were able to become saints in the Old Testament, but they were not able to actually enter heaven yet. So the, all of those merits were in view of the Savior and uh, in view of Christ. So uh, that's the how that happened before the the incarnation before the um, the passion and death of Christ. An inter interesting question uh, comes: uh, Did God give grace also to the pagans for the salvation of their souls? Yes, absolutely. Everyone receives uh, sufficient graces, and um, and in the old uh, before the. Uh, when God chose the, the chosen people, the, the Jews, and in order for for them to uh, to prepare the the birth of Christ, He also gave God gave many graces to to the pagans themselves. So um, and the how those graces are manifested are especially by the natural law. Uh, and the um, the voice I will enumerate here what the Catechism says by the voice of conscience. That's a grace, the voice of conscience that tells you what is right and what is wrong. Uh, by natural benefits, so many of them were were able to know things about about God using their natural their intellects. Not all of the things, but many things, and also natural virtues that they had. Um, that um, even though that natural virtue doesn't do anything to, for salvation, but they receive many, many helps that um, made possible for them to know God. Once you know God, uh, they, you, you can receive the grace to obey his law. By his judgments, number three, by extraordinary men whom he raised among them or sent to them, by the Israelites, whom, number five, with their holy books, he dispersed among them. So, for example, when uh, the Jews were in Egypt for many years, um, and you have there the, the sons of Abraham, the of Jacob, and, and the, Joseph, and the um, before Moses, and after with Moses when they left. But that's a source of graces for them when you have the chosen, the chosen people. And the, the descendants of Abraham in Egypt, they, there's a source of graces for the Egyptians. Uh, number six, sometimes also by angels, dreams, wonderful apparitions or events. So that, again, that, that, that happened all, not, not necessarily all, all the time in the, in, the, in the Jewish people, but also God revealed himself in, in, by extraordinary graces or graces which are called gratuitously given, uh, even in the pagan uh, in the pagan world. So again, God is uh, so merciful that even uh, He does that many times. And Father, uh, did God give uh, to them also actual graces, or you needed to be in the chosen people to receive those? No, everyone was able to uh, basically to merit uh, salvation. Uh, even outside of the chosen people, again they had to be faithful to the natural law. So we we all know, and we do not need the revelation in order to know what the the the, the basic principles and laws of the the moral order. Uh, and so, if they were faithful to the to those to that moral uh, to the first principles of the moral 
law, uh, they received uh, graces and uh, they were faithful to, to those laws by the grace of God, and they were able to merit heaven. So, and that's even true today after the um, after the incarnation and after the the Catholic foundation of the, the founding of the Catholic Church. Those who are ignorant of the, of the of the Catholic Church can, if they are faithful to the natural law and they fulfill certain conditions, they can attain heaven if they are invisibly ignorant. And so, there there are certain conditions to fulfill, of course. But God can give those graces and basically move those people to the faith. It is impossible to be saved, saved without the infused virtue of faith, but God will infuse that virtue in those who do not put obstacles to the actual actual graces. And that even can happen outside of the visible Catholic Church. So, Number 92, did the Redeemer come immediately after the fall of our first parents? No, it didn't come immediately. It was promised immediately, but not not uh, the as we know the incarnation the yes the incarnation happened after a long period of time there was a period of testing of the of the um, uh, uh, of mankind also mankind was always looking uh, to uh, for a savior they they were expecting a savior for many 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 years and um, the uh, um, they experienced. Mankind experienced the misery of sin. How um, how miserable is the state of mankind without God and without a savior? That they mankind itself, uh, to a lesser extent, in, in the the Jewish race, uh, the chosen people at that time, because of the different blessings that they received. But even I mean, even um, uh, even they. Uh, suffered this uh, the, this misery of because still the incarnation had not happened of the uh, the consequences of mankind in sin. So difficult for us to picture that because we are born in the in the new economy and the New Testament in, and and after so many uh, two centuries of the Catholic Church, uh, it's like hard to understand how was the world before the coming of Christ? But was really, I mean, you read, for example, the, the city of God, the, the book of St. Saint, Saint Augustine, uh, when when he explains uh, how those the, the pagans uh, were under the dominion of the demons and the, the worshiping of the demons and the demons coming to them and obliging uh, them to, to uh, perform really evil things and human sacrifice and, I mean, all kinds of things that were that now we we just read in the books and that, that don't happen. I mean, they're now beginning to happen again because of the great apostasy we are living. But still, the, the influence of the Catholic Church has been so great that uh, it's difficult for us to picture the world as it was before the incarnation. But it was really, really bad. I mean, man and sin. And um, the uh, and man uh, with this desire... To, to be freed from the sin, and but at the same time had to wait many, many years. Also, that's uh, to apply in our present circumstances. We have uh, so many, like half a century without a, a pope and the Catholic Church without a visible head and no authority, etc. And it's really difficult. But if we consider 50 years, it's nothing uh, comparing with all the, 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 the many, the thousands of years of mankind without... Christ. They had to wait for a long, long time until our Lord was born. So let that, we can keep that in mind as a, and apply that to our present situation. What we are suffering now is absolutely nothing in comparison uh, because we, we do have the means, the, the faith and the sacraments to persevere. Uh, yes, the, without our Pope is difficult, but imagine without Christ. That will be difficult. Okay, Father... Thank you. I think we arrived at the end of our show today. Next time we will start the second article of the Creed and um, we hope uh, our listeners will join us. Uh, thank you again, Father, for your time. Thank you very much. This is Catholicism is a production of the Restoration Radio Network. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org.
We would again wish to thank the generous sponsorship of Australian Catholic Mission. If you have any questions for Father Nicholas Disposito or feedback on this episode, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at catechism at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to Father Disposito and we would also take this moment to remind you that all correspondence with us is strictly confidential. All of us here at the Restoration Radio Network would ask that if you found the show to be informative, helpful or in any way beneficial to you and to your faith, that you please consider sending a note of thanks to the clergy who help make our network worthwhile. Remember that above and beyond material contributions, the most important donation you can make to our work here is prayer. Please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary, or even a simple Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.